Hello, and welcome to Middle-Aged Gaming. Today, we will be reporting on recent reports floating around the gaming sphere, including Xbox's interest in the DualSense 5, AMD's recent GPU shortage, the environmental hazards that are the PS5 and Xbox X series, recent updates on Cyberpunk 2077's disastrous rollout, and Sony's mishandling of their home market. And now, to our co-hosts, Krian Padayachi and Adam Gray. Good morning and good evening, friends. Today we are going to get into all things new, and by that I mean the news. We haven't talked about the news for a while, and there has been a lot going on towards the end of last year and already in 2021. Adam, do you want to give us a highlight of what you'll be covering today? All right. Uh, I will be covering pretty much all console news today. So everything from Xbox enjoying PlayStation's features and asking if people want that to power consumption of the consoles and a little bit of controversy there. And then finally, all the way down to what's my last one? Ah. The PlayStation 5s and Japan relationship and how it's a little bit rocky right now. Well, without further ado, why don't you lead us off with your first story? All right. Well, this uh, article was posted on January 5th, 2021. And the headline of the story is that the Xbox put a survey out on the X and the S series. And basically what happened was one of the questions, you know, most of them was general kind of questions. You know, are you happy? Are there features that you like that you don't like? But one of the questions specifically said, are you aware of the features of the PS5 controller? And would you, you know, which of these features interest you? So it looks like Xbox is actually taking notice of haptic feedback and is asking its player base if they would enjoy similar features. I don't know if the touchpad is one of the features that they are talking about there. I tried to find the survey, and by the time I went there, the website was already taken down, so I couldn't find any of the specific questions. They do have some photos of the questions, but usually they cut off at that one question where it asks, are you aware of the PlayStation's features? So I wasn't able to see which features they had listed, but it does look like Xbox is taking haptic feedback to heart. So... Yeah, I called it. I, I, you know, I when I played haptic feedback, I was like, "This is great. This is going to really catch on." But I will admit, I guess my predictions were wrong. I thought it was going to be the PC that was going to be hopping on board first, and then Microsoft would be slowly jumping on later. But it looks like that's not going to be the case. It looks like Microsoft is right on top of this, so that's kind of interesting. However, it the reason that I did predict that PC would be first was mostly because, seeing as the Xbox has already released without haptic feedback if they did allow haptic feedback that is going to kind of create a little bit of a class system for you know players that have controllers that support it and players that have controllers that don't support it obviously on the ps4 or sorry obviously on the ps5 everybody's going to be able to support that so you know it's going to be fine there's going to be kind of an even base there on the pc i think people are pretty used to the idea that seeing as basically every controller is going to be third party, you know, you just get what you get. So I think, you know, PC players were going to be a little more open to that idea of if you want it, cool. And if you don't, that's fine. But yeah, so it'll be interesting to see, A, how this pans out. You know, how many Xbox players really were interested and actually wrote down, you know, yes, I like this feature. And how many said they wouldn't like it. And if uh, Microsoft does adopt it, 
how is it going to move forward? You know, or is that going to alienate some of the early adopters if they include a haptic feedback controller in future bundles, you know, and they say, oh, hey, you know, I, I bought it early and now I don't have this controller. Now I have to buy a full new controller. You know, is that going to cause a little bit of uh, backlash? Who knows? We'll see. It's very interesting. I mean, the idea of it, but I'm not surprised. Um, I, I've been listening to a few tech podcasts and, you know, they've said that the CEO of Microsoft at the moment uh, is very, very proactive, very forward seeking. Uh, what I say forward seeking, forward thinking, and he he has a good idea of where Microsoft's going about the future. You know, with Xbox Game Pass, with consoles themselves, about entertainment and uh, what is the future of that. You know, combining that with the pandemic and people staying at home, and and I think that he's seen the future with the uh, DualSense Five. And I mean, Microsoft's got the money. They've got the power to, like, say, hey, speak to whoever made the DualSense 5 or find their own supplier and manufacturer. Say, hey, we're going to make some Xbox controllers with this technology built in or reverse engineer their own technology and maybe make it better. Maybe just make it the same. And I don't see, and especially, I mean, if you look at the top controllers for PC and the most affordable ones are always the Microsoft Windows controller. Uh, I mean, I bought a new wireless one last year, and in Taiwan, it was about 1,200 Taiwanese dollars or about 40 US. And I mean, I, I actually haven't even tested it out yet because I've been playing other stuff, but uh, it's it's really affordable, and I can see Microsoft going for that sort of middle-of-the-range uh, controller where they say, hey, yeah, buy a haptic controller from us, pay the same price you paid for the old technology, we know that Windows controller and them absorbing the cost and say, hey, play your game, your PC games with this. And because they have this wide base of computers and Xbox that you can use it, you can buy a controller, not just for your Xbox, but also for your PC. And it's compatible with both. I think that will sort of spread the DualSense technology out there and will allow it to be developed for more games than just strictly consoles. Oh, no, yeah. I was, my whole thing was uh, I'm not surprised that they're doing this at all. I was just uh, surprised that Microsoft was as quick as they were. I thought they were going to be a little bit, not slower, but more of the idea of, oh, hey, you know, we've already kind of released this console. Let's focus on getting it out there and whatnot and, uh, you know, build up the player base and whatnot. The fact that they're jumping right on it, right out of the gate, that's the part that surprises me. I thought they were going to be a little bit, um, you know, just slower on it. See, I'm, I'm not surprised because, I mean, even the end of last year, you know, when the consoles were about to be released, he said that uh, actually there is no more console wars. Microsoft's going in their direction. Yeah. Sony's going in their direction. And he wants to make money. And the best way for him to make money is to use technology, the good technology, and just get it out there. You know, get it. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we get, a, you know, haptic feedback Xbox controller at a cheap price than a, I think, how much was a DualSense controller? I forgot. You, you've mentioned, told us before. Yeah, no, I bought I have three. Um, I remember. Because, yeah, we had to play. So we had to have three. So I went and picked yeah. them up. They were, oh, I don't remember exactly. Um, I could look it up. I don't have the U.S. price. I obviously have the Taiwanese price listed. Yeah, I was like, they're 2000 something, if I remember correctly. Yeah. 2000 Taiwanese dollars, according to Amazon. They're pretty expensive. There's 60-ish. That makes sense. Seventy dollars on Best Buy. Oh my yeah, god! Yeah, so they're about they're about the same price as a game, so they're pretty comparable to a game price. 
Now, that's the thing. Okay, so that is actually something I'm, I'm probably going to, from a predictive standpoint, disagree with. Just because what I'm thinking is, if Microsoft does release a controller with haptic feedback, it's going to be their Elite controller. So I don't think it's going to be the cheaper option. I think it's going to be the premium option that has it. That's going to be my prediction. Okay, and and I'm going to the other side. I think just for mass availability, just to sort of dig into Sony's success with this, just say, hey, let's make this mass widely available. Got my English. Uh, and <laughs> st- keep it at the $50 price point where it's under the price of a typical brand new game. And it's, you know, in reach to most people say, hey, this is actually actually worth it. I want to get it. It's uh, what is coming out this year that will actually support whatever new new Call of Duty game is coming out this year or Battlefield game, they'll be like, yep, this supports that. I'm going to get it. Why not? Yeah. And I mean, it is worth noting that they probably could, if they did have a base model, make it cheaper than the DS5 just because they don't have the touchpad. So they'll be saving money on that. True. So without the touchpad cost, you you could probably manufacture a, a cheaper version. But yeah, I, I just think that they would put it on the Elite controller. Now that does create kind of a bit of a question though if they do make a haptic feedback controller do you think they would discontinue the current controller because why would you want to buy the base controller if you had haptic option you know i would think that they'd package that new version in newer versions of the xbox and then if the only way to get a non-haptic one would be to buy it separately why would you opt in for that i mean it's because you're thinking strictly in the console terms i mean this I wouldn't be surprised if they come out with a new controller. And I agree with you. I think they will definitely come out with an elite controller. But I think they will keep all existing lines available. I mean, at least in the short term, two to three years, mm. if they come out with one this year. Uh, I mean, just because it, it is, people think the Xbox is the biggest seller of controllers. Actually, there are more PC Windows controllers out there in the world than there are console controllers. Interesting. Because I know that Windows is designed with the Xbox controller compatibility in mind. I always just figured they were the same controller. I didn't realize they were two separate controllers. Oh no, no. I mean, they they are the same controller. That's what I'm saying is is that the like this existing controller that I have is would work on oh, an okay. Xbox. It it is the same controller. But what what I'm saying is is that's why they won't change it because this is a is a it's a seller. It sells well. People use it. Uh, people because there are loads of PC games that do say, play this with a keyboard and mouse if you like, but actually the experience is better with the controller. Mm. And with the sort of merging of Game Pass and the PC and the Xbox, there'll be a lot more Xbox games coming to PC in 2021 that will require a controller. All right. Just out of curiosity, how often do you use your controller? Um, Jesus Christ. The last time I used this controller was playing Batman Arkham Knight, which was two, no, probably beginning of 2020 okay so you don't use it that often yeah i know because it just depends on the game like i want to go back to batman arkham knight there's legends of korra that i would like to play with a controller as well um i don't have too many games that i would like to play with a controller just because i mean i've mentioned it before in previous streams that i just i have a hard time remembering where the the l1 and the r1 (laughs) are and and remembering how they are connected in my brain to what this does and what that does. And so like sometimes I do the, the the PC thing of having to look down. I'm like, okay, finger, press this button. No, you finger, press that button. I'm only curious yes. because I obviously have a bias for parallel analog sticks. So I was just wondering if you felt that one was more comfortable, the asymmetric or parallel sticks. 
I'm still a keyboard and mouse person. Okay. If there's a keyboard and mouse option, um, I'll even play games where they recommend a controller, but I'll play it with a keyboard and mouse just to make my life harder. No, but just because <laughs> I I don't feel happy playing with a controller. Okay. Do you feel that? Okay. So I remember when Skyrim came out and we're getting a little bit off topic, but one last question, yeah. which is, uh, it's my news story. I'm asking you questions though. When <laughs> when Skyrim came out, one of the big complaints that I heard from PC users was that it seemed to be designed with the console in mind, whereas previous Elder Scrolls were designed with the PC in mind. And so they felt that the controls, in a way, had been kind of gimped because they had been designed for a controller and not a keyboard, and they had been kind of ported to a keyboard. And I've heard similar things said about The Witcher 3. Do you feel like a lot of games are kind of moving in that direction now, where the controls seem... Like they're not designed for a computer? I would say like Skyrim, I think I had no problem with that. I was super fun with a keyboard and mouse. That being said, you say mentioned The Witcher 3. I felt The Witcher 3 kind of sucked with the keyboard and mouse. Uh, I felt uh, playing with a controller would have been better. My older brother played it on his PC. No, he didn't. He played it on the PS4. Someone else I know, he played it on the PC, but with a controller. And he felt it, it, the combat was much more refined with the controller than it was with the keyboard and mouse. So I, I don't okay. think it's moving. I hope it's not moving in that direction. But if it is, I mean, that's fine. I can adapt. All right. Okay, moving on to the next story from Adam's awesome, well-done picture that looks so realistic, which is, is realistic, but <laughs> amazing. All right, so it is 2021, and people are still trying to buy graphics cards. But unfortunately, there are even less graphics cards to buy this year because if you are not hiding under a rock... Um, Bitcoin hit forty-four thousand US dollars for one Bitcoin uh, earlier this year, and it's now sitting at. God, if I had my phone, uh, I could actually look at it, look it up at the moment. But uh, actually, I can't look it up because I have an app on my phone with my wallet that will allow me to tell. So you've heard about that guy who lost what was it, two hundred forty million dollars in Bitcoin or something like that? Yes, I did. So Bitcoin's at thirty-six thousand nine hundred fifteen dollars at the moment. Um, but so Bitcoin's gone up. Uh, the second highest currency, Ethereum, by market cap has gone up as well. I mined, and a friend of the show, Hans, we share a miner, and uh, I'm mining again uh, as of a few, two or three weeks ago, two hours a day, as environmentally unfriendly as it is. But I mean, it makes you money. Why not? Uh, but that's the problem. Um, so if you look at the picture there, you can see that is a very typical mining rig you've got multiple graphics cards all connected to one or two power supplies connected to a motherboard and a bridge. I mean, depending how you want to run it. And these things are usually run for, you know, uh, the whole day, you know, and kept in a cool place or kept cooled with fans. And they produce like my single uh, graphics card on my computer would produce about two US dollars a day at current prices. And yeah, I mean, that can go up, that can go down. Uh, that's the beauty of it is it is a speculative asset, as they say, which means that uh, people, the price is, depends on how, what people think it's actually valued at. And so going back to the point of the story is that if you're looking for a graphics card, it is still going to be very hard to come by. AMD and NVIDIA put out a statement. Um, you'll see the link in the show notes for Adam's story, for my story as well, uh, and all the other stories we're going to talk about today that they expect supply to be extremely lean is the word they used. Um, just because, and they didn't mention mining, but 
but it is mining pretty much. Is uh, last year it was scalpers. This year it's still scalpers combined with cryptocurrency people who are now you know building gigantic mining farms again. And especially it's winter in the northern hemisphere. I was throwing out the trash here in Taiwan yesterday, and I met a guy who had uh, blown four different mining machines together. I shouldn't say blown them, but because uh, he'd kept them running 24 hours a day for the last two years, so they were they had died. But 24 hours a day for the last two years at current prices, and he would have made at least 20 to 40k US, USD just that. And power is extremely cheap in Taiwan, so that's why people do it here. So my thing is, uh, if you are looking for a graphics card. And you see something in stock, if you have the money available, I would even say even borrow the money from somebody, buy it now. I don't expect cryptocurrency prices to come down. So that means people are going to keep buying the latest AMD cards, the latest NVIDIA cards, because they produce the greatest number of hashes. Hashes allow you to solve the, I can't even use, I'll say the simple way, the puzzles that allow you to get shares of the cryptocurrency, which allow you to money. And yeah, so see a card buy a card don't wait because the prices are probably not going to come down and i wouldn't be surprised as even the new cards that are coming out the uh rx 6600 uh nvidia's own 3060 are coming out in a few months time and even those cards as soon as they come out they're going to be snapped up like nobody's business so maybe pre-order them or just buy whatever's available as soon as you can get it if you're intending to upgrade at any time this year I'm, I don't think cryptocurrency prices are going to come down combined with the pandemic and stuff. You know, it is an investment tool for a lot of people or just a money-making tool. Yes. So why GPUs? I mean, what makes them particularly adept at cryptocurrency mining? Um, the, the basic thing is they have uh, compute cores or, or graphics cores, right? I mean, your CPU, your CPU on my, on your phone, has maybe eight cores, have four cores or six cores, even in your PC. A GPU itself has 248 or 200, like a, a, a huge number of cores. That's, if you think about it, like your computer has eight brains, your cell phone has four brains or two, unlikely two, but four to eight brains. A GPU has a hundred and something brains. So they do math at a much, much, much higher rate than uh, regular computers do. And that's what cryptocurrency mining is. It's doing highly complex math. Uh, all right. Well, then if, yeah, if the price of uh, bit mining doesn't go down, then, uh, yeah, these, it's going to be a while before we get these things available. Huh? It now, is, it is, it do you is. think at some point it might be, we might be seeing dedicated cryptocurrency cards, basically, that are even, you know, kind of simplified graphics cards where it's just designed to do that and... Um, they are these things do exist. They're called ASIC miners. Um, what they are is like a, a graphics card, but they're a typical ASIC miner will set you back ten to twenty thousand US dollars. So are they stronger than regular graphics cards? Then, or uh, they are nothing like graphics cards. They the the structure is similar, but their focus is on doing math. Okay, so they would have how many brains? Uh, even that is is not even easy to answer. Uh, a lot. <laughs> Not even a lot. It's it's like they have one brain, but this brain is like souped up and mm, is okay. just specifically made for doing this kind of math. All right. So if you plugged one into your computer, I mean it would not it would not your computer wouldn't be able to run 
because it's just made for that. And they look like big boxes. They're probably got to have no big boxes. Oh, I have my trash can. <laughs> so it's probably the size of uh, a, a computer power supply a little bigger than that um they're made by a company called ant mining uh which is chinese if i'm not mistaken and uh they they do like those machines themselves like a typical one graphics card my graphics card earns like two dollars a day an ant mining machine can earn you 30 to 40 dollars a day well given the price of what did you say you said a thousand or ten thousand ten to twenty thousand us dollars Ten to twenty thousand well okay because a graphics card can run just shy of a thousand for a good one right so Yes, right. yes. But you're making yes. 10 times as much money. So, <laughs> Yes. I mean, that's why people do put money into these things. You know, I, I mean, Americans, uh, people, even people who don't have cheap power will all spend money and buy uh, these ant miners just to, you know, make good use of the time when they have it. Right. Yeah, it'd probably be more efficient to buy one of those than to buy multiple graphics cards, wouldn't it? Also, would probably less power consumption or roughly the same? And that is actually a freaking good, um, much more power consumption. Oh, okay. Then, then multiple graphics cards. Even so, because I mean, your graphics cards are far less efficient than that. Ah, okay. Yes. Interesting. So it's a good segue into your story. Uh, yes, power supply. I didn't even thought of that. Good point. Okay. So yeah, my story, it was released on January 14th. So a little bit less than a week ago. It was released on Game Industry, but a lot of people have been talking about it. And basically what happened is the U.S. Environmental Organization has warned against the Xbox Series X and PS5's energy consumption. So basically the idea is that these consoles consume far more electricity than their predecessors. For example, the PS5 is going to use, you know, 50 or it's going to draw 50 to 220 watts. The PS4 would only draw 90 to 150 so at a minimum it's less but at the top it's quite a bit more the xbox series x is similar to the ps5 45 to 220 watts whereas the xbox series s is significantly less 25 to only 100 watts by comparison the xbox one the the previous xbox was 70 to 120 which is closer to what the series s had Uh, the xbox one s which was the smaller xbox one only drew 35 to 90, and the Xbox One X, which was kind of like the PS Pro equivalent, uh, was 65 to 180. So current systems are drawing a lot more with the exception of the Series S, which is interesting because if you look at the Switch, it only draws 40, which is amazingly low. That's the, I mean, oh, sorry. The Switch is 10 to 18. The Wii was 40. So the Switch actually draws less electricity than the Wii did. And I don't know if that's because it has an internal battery that's helping that out in a way. So maybe because it's recharging or something like that. I don't know. But for whatever reason, the Switch is only 10 to 18. And the PS5 and Xbox are roughly 50 to 220. So easily, you know, more than five times the uh, electrical consumption of what a Switch has. And almost double what the previous gen had. And that in itself is newsworthy. But the real issue comes down to sleep mode. And so on the PlayStation, they call it sleep. On the Xbox, they call it instant on. But basically, it's like sleep mode on your computer where you don't really turn it off. You put it into kind of a hibernate mode and it's still using electricity, but far, far, far less. And it can receive updates and that sort of thing. And then when you wake it back up, it takes a lot less time to boot up because you're not having to just boot it from nothing. You can just get it started. 
And so with in this case, the Xbox draws significantly more. So according to the website, and this is where things get a little bit weird. According to the website, it said that this feature on the Xbox could cost, you know, the country of the US, so everybody combined, about 500 megawatts a year, which is basically the equivalent of a large coal power plant. So basically, we could build an entirely new coal power plant to power all these Xboxes uh, when they are on their downtime. And this feature is on by default. So on the PlayStation, whenever you turn it off, basically you hold down the button, you go to power settings, and it has the option, turn it off, put it into sleep mode. And I don't remember what the third option is, reset, I think. And apparently on the Xbox, when you turn it off, it'll automatically go into sleep mode. So what you have to do is you actually have to change a setting to tell it to completely power down, not go into this sleep mode. And so so that is on by default. And apparently when you, this might have been addressed in a patch, I'm not sure, but apparently when it released, when you're doing your setup, it's not even an option to turn that off. You have to turn that off later after you've set it up. So a lot of people might not even realize that they're using this feature. And basically, what according to the article, it says that this instant on feature consumes 30 to 70 watts on its downtime. Now, when I was doing research on this, I found somebody on Reddit who was using kind of a wattage meter, and they originally found it was drawing about 20. And then later on, after an update, it was drawing 10. Now, the update, when they updated it and said it was drawing 10 watts, that was about a month old. This news article is about a week old, and the news article says it's drawing three to seven times more electricity. So I don't know if maybe there's just an exception on this one guy's machine, or if he just hit it at the right time, or if the article's using you know old data. Somebody when they were doing their research, you know, drew some data from somewhere and didn't do the research themselves, so they were using older data that hadn't been updated. I'm not quite sure where these numbers are coming from, but. According to the article, it's 30 to 70. And according to this guy on Reddit, it's currently at 10. So why are they different? Can't really say. But if we're doing the quick math, if you turn it off completely, it uses about 0.5 watts. Okay, so it still needs a little bit of electricity so that it knows that it's supposed to turn on, right? Because it has to have a sensor for that. So completely off, it takes about 0.5 watts. And the instant on consumes about 10 watts. So it's about 20 times as much electricity to keep it into sleep mode. So if you're doing the math, which I love math, so I did it. Uh, if you're gaming for 15 hours, uh, if you're gaming for about 15 hours a week, give or take, when you turn off the console, uh, basically when you do the math of how much electricity it's using when it's on versus how much when it's off, basically you're using somewhere between 0.75 kilowatt hours to 3.38 kilowatt hours. So on average, you're using about 2.06 kilowatt hours a week of electricity on the Xbox. And that's with the just turning it off. So if you leave the instant on feature on and you do all the math, it, it's about 3.5. So it's a little more than, what, 50% more? So it's about 75% more electricity to run it on this instant on thing. And, you know, if you, let's say you're powering it on five times, so you're basically at the price of electricity right now, you're paying an extra $20, give or take, or sorry, 20 cents per week, and you're saving, I don't know, maybe 100 seconds or so of 
time. So if 20 cents is worth 100 seconds of your time, then, you know, price wise, it might be worth it. But the thing is, is they're not talking about, you know, cost. They're talking about the environmental impact. So they've been saying that it's going to be costing about a one large coal power plant's worth of energy. They said that this feature or in the article, it said that it will cost Americans about one billion dollars worth of electricity, which when you do the math on the instant on feature that that just the math doesn't really add up. So I think they're just talking about the consoles as a whole, just playing it, not playing it, whatever. Just these new consoles are going to cost us about one billion. Yeah, they did a little bit of fuzzy math and they left some, you know, they weren't really clear on the details. But anyway, PS5 and Xbox are expected to produce 3 million tons of carbon emissions by 2025. So in the next five years, basically, we're going to get 3 million tons of carbon emissions added to our atmosphere purely due to the PS5 and the Xbox Series X and Series S. So uh, now you may have noticed that the wattage was kind of a big range. It said the Xbox was 45 to 220 and the uh, PS5 is 50 to 220. That depends on what kind of games you're playing. Apparently, if you're playing PS4 or Xbox One games, it's going to be closer to the 50 or the 45. It's going to be lower. And if you're playing new console games, it's going to be in the 200 range. I saw somebody doing, uh, they were doing the PS5 and they were doing the games and Miles Morales was sitting at, I think, 120 watts. And then they were playing, I don't remember what it was, maybe Days Gone or something, an old PS4 title. And it was down in the lower range, maybe around 60 or so. So if you're playing a lot of the backwards compatible stuff, it's going to be much lower. If you're playing a lot of the new stuff, it's going to be much, much higher. And then the other interesting thing is it said the PS5, so the Xbox and Instant On, the article says 30 to 70. The user who checked it himself said it was 20. Now it's down to 10. PS5 in sleep mode only uses 5 to 7. So even though the PS5 seems to draw a little bit more electricity when it's on, it seems to draw a little bit less when it's off. So a lot of fuzzy math, but not environmentally friendly systems. <laughs> I mean... That's not unexpected. You look at modern computers, you know, with with uh, mid to high end graphics cards. I mean, the the newer graphics cards they need two twelve two six pin twelve volt lines to power them. Mm. I mean, uh, even my graphics card when I'm mining uses 140 watts. Uh, that's just the GPU at 100 percent load, and the newer graphics cards will use even more than that, at least 200 and up. And I mean, if you guys haven't seen the headlines and stuff, graphics cards of mining is a big contributor of uh, environmental pollution, of carbon emissions. They say like all the people mining at the same time uh, produce, uh, well, they use electricity for enough electricity for small countries because mining is a highly intensive electrical user, which is unfortunate. But let me ask you, Adam, I'm of the theory that, you know, this trend of consoles and electrical things and technological devices are not going to change. I believe countries and governments and power systems need to adapt. We need a better, more efficient power generation rather than saying, hey, stop playing your games. Stop buying your Xboxes or PS5s. I don't know what you think. I completely agree. We have clean options. I mean, the point is the point is here and that's what they say. Okay, so the amount of power draw is the equivalent of one large coal power plant. And that's where the idea of this 3 million tons of carbon emissions is coming from is if you're burning it all from a coal power plant, if you're getting that from, you know, what do they have? It's not hydroelectric, but when they put the turbines in the sea and they use the uh, tidal 
things. Oh God, there's probably a much more professional word, but I don't remember. But I knew. Okay, so if you, but that's supposed to be a relatively clean energy. Uh, yes. Solar power is clean. Uh, was it um, wind power is clean? Strangely enough, yes. nuclear is the cleanest. You know, if you look at the amount of uh, the cost of building the machines and everything per kilowatt hour, nuclear is actually the cleanest form of energy that we currently have. If we yes. get fusion to work. So if you have these things, then, you know, if you're using, say, nuclear power, your carbon emissions are effectively zero, right? If you're using wind power, it's effectively zero. If you're using solar power, it's effectively zero. So definitely, you know, adapting new technologies for electricity, definitely creating better infrastructure. So there's less, you know, energy bleed and that sort of thing, you know, better insulation in our buildings so that we can insulate better and costs of things like uh, air conditioning and what go down. Yeah, I I don't think the electricity is the problem. I think it's the way we're making it. Totally true. Totally true. I I mean, that's one of the problems we have here in Taiwan. There's a people here drive scooters a lot, right? Yes. So one of the things is now that's really popular is Gogoro scooters and Gogoros are these electric scooters. And the idea is that because everyone's using electric scooters and they want to, I, I don't remember what they said, phase it out by 2035. I think they wanted to phase out gas powered scooters or, ga- or the sale of gas powered vehicles or something like that. New ones, I think. Yes. Yes. Um, so the idea is we're going to move everything to electric. Well, that's great. But Taiwan, we had a plan to build a nuclear power plant and they scrapped it. So we are entirely coal based, basically, or petroleum based. I mean, we have one power plant, and I think it's Taichung, which or Tainan, which generates the equivalent amount of carbon emissions as the entire country of Belgium. So <laughs> when you're driving an electric scooter, if you're burning coal to make the electricity, it's not more environmentally friendly. Sure. No, totally true. Yeah. So, you know, cause, and in fact, it's, I, I think in some ways it's actually less friendly than just using gasoline. You know? So, yeah, I, I think the problem is not the energy consumption. I think the problem is the way we make energy. Yes, I totally agree with you there. OK, um, I think we should keep moving along. Yep. All right. And my second story, because we're on the second story, is... I got to make that out is about good old cyberpunk, which I played last night and I had an awesome time with. So cyberpunk uh, is a, a was an article was released in Bloomberg by probably the most famous games journalist at the moment, uh, Jason Schreier. He's written a book as well, and he wrote a, a nice, awesome article where he spoke to twenty uh, former and current together former and current CD Projekt Red employees about the development of cyberpunk. Uh, leading up to its release, even in the early days and stuff. And it was, you should definitely go read the article. It is a fascinating read. Uh, what I'm going to do for you guys today is I'll sum it up pretty much what he said. He said, Cyberpunk was released in the state that it was because number one is an insufficient number of employees. He said when the game you know, was being developed and you know they were looking at EA, they were looking at Rockstar, and uh, he said, like, they gave the example in the article that Rockstar was made, uh, I would say Rockstar made GTA V uh, with roughly 2,000 employees. And at CD Projekt Red's height, they had 500 employees working on Cyberpunk, which was not near enough. Uh, and when they first started working on uh, Cyberpunk, they only had, like, something like 200 employees working on a game of this scale and this detail. Uh, and 
as they realized they didn't have enough people, they hired more people and they hired a lot of Western English-speaking people. And another problem was that meetings were supposed to be conducted in English and communication, but a lot of the because CD Projekt Red is based in Poland, people in Poland speak Polish. A lot of employees of CD Projekt Red ended up speaking Polish, so there was a lot of bad communication going around, poor communication going around. The other thing which is I didn't realize is that the Red Engine, which is what they used to to develop this game, was developed simultaneously with the actual game, which one of the developers, a former developer, said it was like uh, driving a train and you know laying down the tracks at the same time, which he said made things you know slow down incredibly. Uh, the last thing was poor leadership. You know uh, the the problem with being a manager or being a leader. You know. And in, in not just in gaming companies and in, in any organization is you don't know what is happening at the, the, the base level. You're you're up there and down here you're like, yeah, no, these guys can do it. They don't they, it's no problem. So, you know, the the demo that they released was totally fake, which is what they mentioned, wasn't related to the actual game. The the release dates when the uh one of the managers said, Yeah, yeah, we can release the game this date, and the developers were all like, Yeah, right. They they were expecting to release the game in 2022, which they said was a realistic date, according to the article anyway. Um, beyond that, I mean, CD Projekt Red is facing two lawsuits at the moment, and they said they're going to defend themselves. Uh, the CEO came out and apologized for a bunch of stuff. He also refuted some of the stuff in Jason Schreier's article. It's it's fascinating. It's, it's a shame. Um, I don't think they're going to be too damaged by this. But, I mean, I really enjoyed this game. I enjoyed it so much that I would love to keep playing it even on my regular streaming days of Friday. But uh, Adam watched it last night. He knows the game is janky. Uh, yeah, I wasn't stuttering. noticing that before until last night. Um, it, it, it's unfortunate. I still haven't figured out how to get over this option. But, I mean, it is it is what it is. Yeah, so, yeah, what do you think, Adam? I think that... Uh... It's really kind of interesting, and I've seen a lot of people saying that this article is actually really good because the guy actually, a lot of gaming articles, people feel that these days are more like um, fluff pieces, and the fact that this guy actually did kind of an investigative report on it was uh, kind of unique in gaming journalism at the time. I don't know if that's necessarily true or not, but I've seen a lot of people commenting on it. But have you seen, I love the head of Project Studio's name. His name is Adam Badowski. And I'm like, okay, the fact that it's Adam is fine. But the fact that his name is Badowski, I'm like, that is the most like Eastern block 80s villain name you could possibly have. Like Badowski. So I love that name. Um, but have you seen his responses to the article? I, I have. I have. Yeah. So I, I, I saw some of his our uh, responses and they're kind of interesting because they are really defensive, but um, yes, yes, but yes. I mean, for example, one thing he mentioned, uh, basically the article I have popped up here, there are three of his responses, but the first one was in response to the demo. And he was saying, well, I mean, demos typically are often fake. I mean, they're not designed to be true. And, and in a way I, I, I see where he's coming from. I mean, final fantasy seven remake, we had a demo for a Final Fantasy Tech demo back on the PS3, and that was not Final Fantasy VII Remake. Back at the time, everyone thought it was going to be, but I mean, that was purely just a tech demo kind of thing. And Killzone 2, actually, when it was released, had their demo. And 
in their demo for Killzone 2 at the announcement, they basically had said, sorry, they had basically said that, you know, this is just a, it's just a demo. This is basically get you in the mood for the game. But when Sony put it up, they said, this is in-game footage. And Guerrilla Games were like, oh no. And they went into panic mode. And then they like, <laughs> basically, it's a really interesting story if you have the time to read about it, how they didn't intend for that. You know, they were kind of doing their own thing. And then Sony said that this is in-game footage. And then Guerrilla Games basically like did everything they could to make the in-game footage look as close to the demo as they possibly could. And they had to do a lot of tricks to actually make it look better. Um, so that was kind of an, an interesting thing. So seeing him say that, and I mean, when did the original demo come out? Do you remember? Do you remember? It's, it's a good few years ago. I feel like they mentioned one of the E3s back in the day. Right. And I, I mean, usually in, in these demos, the game is pretty much an alpha and they, they basically just show you one part of the game because there is nothing else it's just rendered for that one scene and a lot of times they try to replicate that scene later but that scene is not actually in the game a lot of times so in the demo case i'm i'm kind of i kind of see where he's coming from um but then in the other things he gets really kind of defensive for example when they were talking about how the staff how he interviewed these 20 different people uh came out and said you know you only talked with 20 people some of them are ex-employees. Only one of them is not anonymous. I would not call that most of over 500 people in the staff openly said what you claim. So you talk to 20 people. Some of them don't even work for us anymore. So they're probably in a bad mood. You redacted the names of everybody. So we can't even verify if they're workers here. We have 500 people. Who's to say these 20 people represent, you know, some of them who aren't even with us anymore represent the other 480 people. And I mean, that's a, that's a valid argument, but it does come across as very kind of defensive. And True. so, yeah, so with that, and then the last part with the the Polish speakers speaking Polish, he basically just comes out and says, well, at meetings, we all speak English and company-wide, in, uh, you know, company-wide emails have to be in English, but we have all sorts of people. So we have German people, Polish people, Spanish people, you know. And the Spaniards speak Spanish and the Germans speak German. You know, when you're having a casual conversation, speak whatever language you want, you know. Um, And and then he he goes on to say, if the question the question is, if it's hard to move to another country, sometimes culture and work life, uh, sometimes work and live there. The answer is yes. But that's universal to every company all over the world. And we're doing what we can to ease that transition. So he is right there. I mean, us being people, you know, immigrants or expats or whatever you want to call us. You know, moving into another country and adapting to another culture. Yeah, he's right. It, it can be difficult, but at the same time, when you do, when you do have you know this group of people communicating in a language that the other people can't, it's not just a matter of communication on the product. It creates kind of niches, and it does kind of tear down the kind of camaraderie. You know, it does make people feel alienated, like they're not part of a group, and it does tear down some of that you know, togetherness, you know, because obviously, and, 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 you know, we, we've seen it, you've seen the, the Chinese teachers and they'll, or, you know, the Taiwanese teachers and they'll speak Chinese, they're Mandarin to each other. And then sometimes, and this has happened where we'll have a foreign teacher come in who, and they, they realize that this foreigner speaks Mandarin and they switch to Taiwanese because the odds of this foreigner speaking Taiwanese are basically nil. And so it's, 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 they're actively going out of their way yes. to not be overheard by foreign staff, you know? 
and they don't they don't do this around us because you know we know them we've been working there for a very long time we have a rapport but you know i've seen it i've seen this happen with newer teachers and it can be alienating sometimes especially when that person you know and it can snowball where that person feels i'm not really wanted or accepted here and then you know the the local staff gets that feeling of this person doesn't really want to be here and it's not necessary you know and it's it's purely just down to communication if people had just communicated beforehand it wouldn't have been an issue but because of this it's so I, i i do totally get that but at the same time i do disagree with him about how you know this is this is okay and this is perfectly normal you know it's it might be normal, but it's not an optimal situation. And you need to address the fact that this is part of the issue with it. And that is part of the reason why this failed. You know, you can't just say, oh, it, it, this is fine. This is normal. I think the whole speech, I mean, those words don't seem like his words. seems like somebody who works in PR, which is my other side job, came out and say, hey, this is the point you should touch on when you rebut this article. And that's what he did to to create it. And instead of that being a, a thing, people sort of see right through it and like, yeah, somebody told you to spin this in a positive direction. And that's what he did. Totally possible. I, I've never read anything else by this guy. So yeah, I don't know how he talks. So that's definitely possible. All right. Moving on to your last story. Last story. All right. So where am I? Okay. So uh, this was released... Oh, I didn't write down the date. I'm sorry. But basically, this is a couple weeks ago, at least for the article that I've had. But this has been talked about for pretty much since the release of the PS5. And I saw a story about this a few days ago. Yeah, there's there's been a story a few days ago. This has been kind of bubbling since, I guess, December at least. What, the PlayStation 5 released in November, right? So I guess at least since December, this has been kind of a thing. But basically... The PS5 is selling worse than any Sony home console in Japanese history. The original PlayStation sold better. The PS2 sold better. The PSP sold better. The PlayStation Vita sold better. And that's <laughs> saying something, which uh, if you guys listened to my podcast last week, you know, I had a whole thing on the PlayStation Vita and why it's underrated. But uh, but yeah, the Vita actually sold better than the PS5. And that's... There's more than one factor here. It's not a popularity issue. It's entirely sold out. So the fact that it sold less than the Vita has less to do with popularity and more to do with the fact that there's not enough systems in Japan to sell outside. You know, they couldn't even if they wanted to. But that itself is part of the problem. So basically, Japan or a lot of Japanese fans now have said that they are not going to be buying the PS5. They said that they are not going to be supporting Sony this generation. And that's because they feel that they've been abandoned. And there's multiple reasons for this. Uh, One of them is the fact that when the PS5 was revealed, there was no Japanese narration. It was entirely in English. If I remember correctly, there weren't even Japanese subtitles on it. So they had to wait until after the reveal, and then they could watch videos that added subtitles. So they felt like hey you're a you're a japanese company why are you catering to this western market you know everything all the marketing was done in english and they felt kind of betrayed there uh playstation headquarters has moved to california 
So now, yeah, so the, 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 the main office isn't in Japan anymore. The main office, the number one office is in California now. I don't remember if it's in Anaheim or where, but yeah, the main office is now in, in California. One of the decisions that they made was to switch the select and cancel to make it universal. And they didn't make it universal to the Japanese standard. They made it universal to the Western standard. So, and this is kind of an interesting little bit of history here, was originally when the PlayStation released, Circle was supposed to be select and X was supposed to be cancel. And to an extent, that makes sense because, you know, X and Circle, you know, ding, ding. And in Japan, this is basically what it means. They'll use a circle instead of a check mark. You know, usually in Western society, we'll see a check for yes and an X for no. In Japan, it yes. would be a circle for yes and an X for no. So we both use X for no. But that's why to them, intuitively, circle is select. X is supposed to be canceled. And there was actually a lot of uh, thought going on. The triangle is supposed to be kind of like uh, identifying like up or a bird's eye view. So triangle was supposed to be the dedicated map button and the square was supposed to, you know, mimic kind of a menu. So square was supposed to be the default menu button. So there was a logic to all the buttons. And that's why we have weird shapes and not like ABCD like you have on, say, the Nintendo, the Xbox or the old Sega systems. Uh, so that's why they use the symbols. But anyway. In the US, when games came over, for whatever reason, X became select and circle often became canceled. And this was early on. It, it varied from game to game. Some games used circle is select. If I remember correctly, I think Final Fantasy VII, the original one, I think maybe circle was like maybe it wasn't. But there were some games that used the Japanese system. There were some games that used the American system. It could get quite confusing. And so now Sony said, we're going to make this universal. It's going to be one way. So that way nobody ever has to be confused. X is always going to be accept. And Circle is always going to be canceled. That's a universal thing. And on a personal note, that throws me off because living in Asia, Circle's been select for so long that when I play games on my American account, like Final Fantasy XIV or Valkyria Chronicles, and I go to hit select and I end up canceling out of things, or I go to cancel and I end up selecting things, and I'm like, no. So for me, that's definitely, I can see where the confusion is really coming from. And it's especially confusing for me now because right now I'm playing most extensively Assassin's Creed Valhalla and Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I'm playing the Asian version, uh, which I'm going to get into a little bit more later. But uh, even the PS5 version of Assassin's Creed Valhalla uses the Asian standard where circle is select and X is cancel. And now because the PlayStation has defaulted that X is going to be select on everything, Valhalla is my only game where the controls are backwards. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'll be in Valhalla and I'll back out to the menu and then it just gets really confusing because now I, I have to switch. Okay, now X is now select and circle is canceled. So it's confusing. But anyway, they felt alienated because of that. Uh, they felt alienated because of censorship. Uh, there's been a lot of news uh, with Sony where they've been censoring games that traditionally are games that were designed for a Japanese audience and they're censoring them due to Western sensibilities. Strangely enough, Nintendo, which traditionally has been very, very strict on censorship and what they will allow and what they will not allow has kind of picked up the slack. So now there are a lot of games that will get censored on the PlayStation and they are uncensored in Japan on the switch. So they felt like it's 
switching to a Western standard. It's switching to Western sensibilities. They move their headquarters to America. So a lot of Japanese people feel like they've been abandoned by Sony. And and back on the uh, censorship thing, on Assassin's Creed Valhalla, I remember when I was setting it up, I always like to check out the options first. And there was an option for, it says something like uh, gore and nudity or something like that. And there's no option there. It's just the title. And there's there's nothing you can select. And I was really confused by that. I didn't know why. And then, you know, and I was looking up online, everyone's like, oh, yeah, you know, if you want to turn nudity on, turn this on. Or if you want to turn it off, turn that off. And I was like, well, what are you talking about? Those options aren't there. Turns out in Japan, they have really strict kind of uh, violence laws. And so because you can decapitate people and apparently there are torture scenes in the game where they like, I guess, draw and quarter people or something like that. So for Japan, they censored those scenes, but then they released that Japanese version to all of Asia. So every Asian region gets the Japanese censored version of the game, which is ironic that they're complaining about censorship in America when they themselves have censored this game (laughs) and I have to play their version. So I thought that was a bit of sweet irony there but uh but yeah so to do a little bit of comparison in the first eight weeks in japan the ps5 has sold about 266,000 con- uh consoles uh, the ps4 sold nearly twice that amount in the same period of time so in the first eight weeks the ps4 nearly outsold the ps5 by double in the u.s the ps5 sold two million but the PS4 sold 3 million. So what we're looking at is from the previous generation to this generation in Japan, they're selling about 50% of the consoles that they sold the previous generation. Whereas in the West, they're only selling 30%. And it's worth noting that is worth noting because they are selling out. So the fact that Japan was reduced by 50%, but the West was only reduced by 30% means that they were clearly allocating more to the West than they were to Japan. So why were they allocating more units? You know, it wasn't evenly distributed in the same ratios. You know, they've moved the ratio so that Japan got a smaller piece of the pie and, and, you know, the West got a larger piece of the pie. And so because of that, yeah, Japan's felt really alienated by Sony right now. And Microsoft's actually moving in and trying to kind of move in on Japan and kind of get in their good graces and, and, boost the xbox because traditionally the xbox has not done well in japan but uh yeah but but currently the switch is by and far the dominant system in japan so that that's that's some news and on a little bit of side note here japan's not the only people that are mad india still has not received their playstation 5 release date it will not be released in india until february 2nd so you know, clearly there's some sort of favoritism going on in at least North America and Europe where they are clearly allocating these units for that market and foregoing their Asian markets. So it is what it is. It's disappointing, but. Did you really think it's favoritism? I think it's, it's uh, demographics. I think it's COVID-19. I think it's the shifting, shifting gamer habits. Okay, so when I say favoritism, I mean business. This is where they feel the money's going to be. They feel like it's going oh, to yes. sell. So, I mean, in a way, it's favoritism, but it's not a favoritism as in, like, we like America more. It's favoritism in the sense that America's the stronger business decision. 
you know, it's, it, this is the more, the more profitable market. Let's prioritize that market. It's similar to how a lot of companies now have been, it's not exactly similar, but it's in the same vein as a lot of companies now cater to a Chinese market because there's a lot more money there. And, you know, people in America feel alienated when companies cater to the Chinese market, you know, like when Hollywood, they're going to throw in a Chinese character who's going to, you know, end up being the person who solves the, you know, gets the metal out of Iron Man's heart when nobody could have done this throughout history. Right. Um, and the American, you know, Americans, some Americans feel a little bit betrayed by that. You know, like you're just doing this for money. So you're just making these concessions and, uh, you know, you're downplaying you know, or you're overlooking cer certain human rights violations or whatever in order to make that Chinese, sweet, sweet Chinese money. This is a similar thing. You know, it's you're you're a Japanese company. You should support Japanese people. But no, you're just chasing that Western market because that's where the money is. And. I think that's what I think it's just business. I think that's that's the simplest way to say it. I mean, I agree it's business. I I mean, I I have a theory and and you know, it's goes back to the article that I read. Oh god, my voice. <laughs> Basically that people have been buying the switch and and like you said, you know, it does useless power. It does in, in Asia, you know, I mean with the exception of India, I mean even India as well. Um, you know, you tend to have smaller households, you know, you don't want to have, you know, large devices, you know, that take up space. With COVID, you know, people really worry about money security here. People in Asia tend to save more than Western countries. Uh, a Switch is an affordable device. You know, games are incredibly cheap. Uh, even if, that's why I'm not surprised it's, it's great in Japan because, I mean, the Japanese store, just like the U.S. store, sometimes they sell games for, for like a dollar literally $1 for actually a pretty decent game or $2 or $5. It's it's like the idea of Steam, you know, which is what I, I got into when I got a Switch. I'm like, oh my God, this is on sale. This is on sale. Bye, bye, bye. And then my Switch catalog easily expanded, you know, not for a lot of money. Um, and, I, and I think that's where when the PlayStation launched, you know, it was the time where COVID was really, really serious in the world. Uh, Japan had not locked down, but people were suggested. And I'm sure people were like, oh my God, you know, this is affecting business everywhere. Demand for Japanese products for all the things that Japanese export is down. It's down, so companies need less workers. Like, oh my God, my husband's going to retrench. I'm going to get retrenched. I'm going to be fired. I need to save money. Oh, but I still need to buy something for my kids. Oh, let's buy a Switch. Yeah, no, that's definitely one thing. And I think also, too, culture plays in, into a part of it. In Japan specifically, when especially in the large cities you know apartments you've seen pictures and videos and stuff of japanese apartments you know they're, they're notoriously tiny yes. and a lot of people if you look at trends and and youth groups when in japan people are spending less time at home and more time out and this is affecting a couple of different things you know for example one of the issues is Japanese people are dating less, you know, and getting married less. Uh, they're more interested in having a, a close group of friends than they are to have like the family life and and that sort of thing. They're spending less time out of the house, you know. They're they're going to cafes and that sort of thing. So having a portable system like a switch, uh, you know, obviously the the Japanese work culture, you're spending a lot of hours at the office and people commute all the time. You know, having something you can, I, I think I saw something somewhere where they said the Japanese spend most of their gaming time on a train, mm. you know, using either their mobile devices like a phone or using something like a switch. But 
most of the time that they, if you took all the hours they spend gaming, most of it's spent on public transportation. And obviously a PS5 is not going to be conducive for that, whereas something like a Switch is. So yeah, definitely there's a cultural aspect to it. I think in this particular case, though, because the PS5 did sell out, the idea is that there is a higher demand for it. And it's um, maybe it wouldn't have sold. I think it would have still I think if we had the supply, it would have outsold the PS4. But I don't think it would have reached switch levels. No. But yeah, there's definitely that might have been part of the decision making in these companies where they're looking at like, oh, look, you know, this is what the PS5 did. Look how quickly the switch went up. Okay. But then look at, you know, Switch sales versus PS4 sales in the US. Ah, you know, they're little, there's a little more parity there. So maybe we should focus on this because, you know, there, there seems to be a higher demand mm-hmm. relative to another comp- a competitor. Totally. That's definitely possible. Very much so. And we are, are trying to keep these podcasts within an hour or so. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to skip my last story. And, what? Uh, oh, no. No, no, no. It's 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 fine. It's it's neither here nor there. Uh, moving into next week, you want to do the free to play story next week, or you have sure another, we can do that. You have another free idea? to play. Is it the future? We we can always do something else. That's what I wanted to ask you. While no, we're no, there. no. I think it's a good uh, topic, and it's non-controversial or not too controversial. So it'll be a nice palate cleanser before we can tackle something a little more aggressive. Sure. <laughs> then, so keep an eye out for that next week, Tuesday. All right, and with that, thank you very much for tuning in to our first all-news show without a topic. As always, if you like what you saw, you like what you heard, if you want to interact with us, talk to us, comment about something, disagree, you know, hate us, email us at middleagedagedgaming2020 at gmail.com, even though it is not 2020. Um, Middleagedgaming2020, pretty much on all social media. You can see that on the overlay over here. Uh, Google us, send us a message, wherever you want to do. And we will see you guys as usual next week, Tuesday. And watch out for videos during the week. Yeah, we're waiting and look forward to seeing you soon. Okay, you guys have a good evening or a good morning if you're in Taiwan. And uh, take care and we'll see you guys later. Catch you later.